Greetings and salutations. This is Fact Daddy, and you're about to have a Fact Daddy experience. Okay, enough of that. Um, <laughs> so, I uh, tend to watch things by what I call the Taken Method. That basically means I put something on and if it uh takes me over or I'm engrossed in it enough that I want to keep watching, I just watch it until there's no more left to watch. So in this case, I'm talking about my next life as a villainess. And again, it's one of those isekai Japanese anime shows. In this instance, it's another reincarnation show, but with an interesting twist, at least from my point of view. So, the twist in this particular show is that the protagonist, Katarina Kleiss, uh, the person reincarnated into her body and into her life, happened to play a Otome game in what would be considered our world. And she knew all about the character that she was in and her doomed endings. So she has to start plotting how not to die or be exiled in that world by dealing with the characters a certain way. But ultimately, what she manages to do is what drop their guard, she's able to make wonderful things happen. So, uh, the first instance of the scenario is uh, she is supposed to be arranged to a boy, a prince, Giardo, and he has a brother, Prince Alan. And they're the Stewart brothers. And what ends up happening is she lands on her face and gets a scar on her, on her head. That's considered, <clears throat> you know, no bueno for a noble. So she doesn't seem to care because her whole objective is to stay alive. Of course, no one outside of herself knows about any of this. So it puts her interactions in a very interesting light because she became aware of being reincarnated after she hit her head. And once she was aware of who her character was, this villainess, um, she was trying any method that she could come up with to keep herself alive. So, with Giordo, he tends to think she's weird because she climbs trees, She's not really interested in acting like a noble woman. And, you know, she has, she worries about the behavior and love life of these characters because ultimately they could decide her fate. She could die because she's the villainous in the story. Uh, but Giordo, he, he takes a liking to her because she's strange, because she's weird. Because she doesn't act like a typical noble. She brings color and light and just an interest in life itself. 
to him, which he did not have until that moment. He was very bored. As for his brother, who's always feeling slighted and less than him, and they were twins, but not identical. Uh, she brought challenges to him as well. Uh, initially, she challenged him to climb trees, which he could not do with her. She was an excellent tree climber. But she challenged him to piano, and uh, I don't know if I said challenged, but challenged. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a hell of a year if you date back from now to last year a hell of a year um, so she challenged him to piano instead and he was excellent at piano so you know that relationship with her and that interaction with her encouraged him to play piano and she also said you know it's you know perfectly cool not to you know always be white, always be on top, always be number one. There's some things that we uh, excel at and we're great at and some things that we're not at, you know. That's what's the that's the joy and the and the beauty of our relationships with each other is that everyone brings something different to the scenario, something different to the table, some attribute, some gift, some intelligence, some wit, some skill that the other does not have. It's through interacting and sharing building from that that we create long-lasting and strong relationships that shape the world and in that sense you know I think that uh, I'm finding more depth in what people would say doesn't have depth I guess as old age starts to rear and raise its ugly head at me I'm, I'm more interested in the basics than the quintessential the essences of our dynamics is not really some mind-blowing splitting an atom with a thought type scenario it's more uh, how are you doing and are you all right and what are you up to <laughs> you know basic interactions you know feeling out emotions of anger jealousy hostility displaced pain uh, the character is portrayed as extraordinarily dim or dense, and yet she manages to get to the hearts of all of these different characters. Prince Juro, Prince Alan. There, uh, she wants to start farming because she does earth magic in this world, and her earth magic is suddenly in towards effect. But she wants to do certain things. She wants to do certain things because in doing them, she feels like she can avert the disastrous death that awaits her, her doom ending. So she wants to learn how to farm. And she meets someone and gets this information from them, and the information that she gets from them. Uh, ends up being good, and this person is Mary. So Mary becomes a friend of hers at a tea party, and uh, that relationship again. Mary was very closed off. She she was you know afraid to interact with people. She didn't feel proud of herself. She didn't feel beautiful. She didn't feel like she was special. And then Katarina acknowledged that she had a green thumb and she had a way with with flowers and a 
a way with nature and a way with growing things and nurturing them and making them beautiful. And, you know, that awakening in this person made them appreciate themselves. It's no small feat to give another human being the ability to sense and appreciate their own existence. Even though it's in the context of this, like, silly story of anyone who would try to write a short story or a novel, uh, a poem, or on the other side of the coin, try to draw. Uh, there's a lot of detail you have to pay attention to, nuances, movements of figure and face and environment. Like, the whole experience of watching this show, for me, was great. Um, those human dynamics, those moments of connection, uh, even in the midst of the awkward reincarnation game scenario world backdrop, even within that context, you have this great fundamental story of this person who just connects with and looks at the underlying humanity of people. I mean, obviously, she she becomes somewhat oblivious to all of them having developed these feelings about her. And there's another character in the story who, uh, she has a unique appearance. Her hair is white, her eyes are red, you know, it's, it's interesting because people think that she's creepy. You know, like, she just looks frightening to them, but to Catalina, she thinks she's beautiful. Her hair, her hair is like silk, her white hair, her red eyes are like boobies. I mean, you know, she has this way of making, you know, making the character feel good. In this instance, I'm talking about Sophia. <clears throat> Sophia, uh, has a brother, Nichols. And, uh, he's quiet, but he's also, like, extremely popular. He's sort of handsome, et cetera, et cetera. So, the connection there was simple. She just acknowledged that she thought that this girl was beautiful. And considering people just running around calling her creepy and ugly all the time, to have that shift and to have this person say, you know, I want to be friends with you. And, uh, they both happen to like this story with Sophia's name in it. And that connection, that, that connection was relevant, especially for Sophia, who all her prior experiences, aside from her brother, was there was just a lot of negativity and a lot of judgment and a lot of feeling alone and isolated and to have someone connect with you that openly that that's the power of the show that's the power of the character that's the power of the story I, I enjoy it thoroughly and even the the plot twist for the, the season ending 
you know, it built up nicely, and, you know, when the twist came, you're like, shit. You know, the character had a terrible, terrible backstory. Uh, involving, uh, you know, some bias and some hatred, and, you know, because they <coughs> did this whole issue with nobility and peasantry. I don't know why in Isekai, the nobility are usually supposed to be far more magical or magically powerful than the poor, but the bias is real in these stories, and, uh, you know, this particular character's backstory, oh, I'll just say, I thought it was really fucked up. And I've, I've read and seen a lot of things, and, you know, sometimes I'm open to mentally allowing myself to experience what I would consider certain levels of depravity, and sometimes I'm just totally desensitized. But for whatever reason, this character reached me like she reached the others, and I was open to allowing myself to actually experience what it was doing in the story, as opposed to really being entertained. So, all in all, I would have to say definitively that, you know, these interactions with this character as they build throughout the story, they just, they become very interesting and he's, she's very charming in an odd way and it's funny and it has drama and it, it you just breeze through it. Like, I started episode one, kept watching it, it was over. I mean, at least in intervals, because, you know, personal effects in life aside, I made the time to watch this entire shit, too, the show. That's only 12 episodes for the first season, and I believe the second season comes in July of this year. But, <clears throat> great fucking show, man. If you ever, you know, feel like you're bugging out for a slice of life show, it's like a really well done sitcom. I don't feel like the postmodern take on sitcoms are necessarily that enjoyable. Um, I don't really have any way to point out. Suffice it to say, I haven't really enjoyed many shows again. I could be missing something. The things I tend to enjoy are like, boom, you watch it and you're done. You finished watching because it was that good. Uh, unless it's so voluminous in, in its scope that it's almost like difficult to watch unless you've made the time. Like One Piece for me is always a mission. Not because I don't love One Piece, but it's a lot of episodes, man. <laughs> uh, anyway. Definitely, the show for me is a, is a winner. Uh, I would check it out. I enjoyed it. I had a good experience with it. Also, uh, something else I've had a good experience with is the series Little Nightmares. I think it's genius. It's some of the best video game experience. So it's it's one of the best video game experiences of my life, particularly Little Nightmares. Little Nightmares 1, I really loved it, uh, especially the ending, uh, 
was epic. Uh, the gameplay's pretty good. Uh, occasionally had issues because, you know, I'm used to one console, and when I was playing it on another one, you know, I constantly <clears throat> had to, you know, keep in mind the controls. Um, but once you get a hang of the controls, overall it's pretty doable. It has some difficult moments in it, but you just gotta, like, my best gameplay came when I was thinking without thinking. So, you know, I knew what I had to do, but thinking about how I was going to do it was a waste of time. I could just feel it out. It's a very solid rhythm-based game. If you get into a good rhythm, you're going to go pretty far. Uh, Little Nightmares 2, though, the scale and scope visually was, I feel, superior to the first one. I also felt like the mechanics were better, the gameplay mechanics were better. I also felt like some of the added dimensions, um, similar to the Little Nightmares 1 DLC, the interactivity with another uh, computer-based character is good. It's a good addition. Uh, capacity to utilize weaponry against your enemies is also a great addition. I mean, your overall overarching rhythm and tempo of the game, visually and otherwise, is stunning. Fantastic. So, I would strongly recommend checking out Little Nightmares 1 and 2. And on that note, this is Back Daddy. I'll definitely get on my Westworld cross. And I'm out.